Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast with John McMahon and John Kaplan. This podcast is brought to you by Force Management. Force's solutions help companies, small teams, and individuals accelerate sales performance. Be sure to check out their online platform, Ascender. Today, a segment with Terry Tripp, the Chief Revenue Officer at Times. In this segment, Terry and John McMahon talk through those first critical steps that are important to take as a CRO. Okay, so you walk into Times on day one as a new CRO. And this, you, you could talk about this mainly in general terms also. It doesn't have to be Times. But typically when you walk in as a CRO, you, you want to know what challenges you're going to have, you know, you're going to face. So what are the top three things as a CRO when you walk in the door on day one you want to learn immediately? Well, I, um, I say this with a smile on my face for anyone from Tynes who's listening. Uh, we're based out of Dublin, Ireland. So the first thing I had to learn is what the hell are these folks saying? Because I could hardly understand them. <laughs> you knew where the Guinness was, though. I knew where the Guinness was. We, we, you know, all the pubs and the pints were clearly uh, right, right nearby. But look, I think when you step into any role uh, in a CRO capacity, and this was true for me as well, I think for me, I placed emphasis and priority on number one, the people. I absolutely needed to get to know the team. Uh, and that meant literally one-on-one conversations with every single person in my organization. Now, we're not huge, uh, but that was still dozens and dozens of conversations. I want to know who they are, what they're about, what makes them tick, what their goals are, their ambitions. I want to hear what they have to say about the current state, what's working, what's not, et cetera. So the first thing for me is really getting to understand the people and, and frankly, having them get to understand and know me as well. So that was priority one. And I would say that that's key, no matter what kind of new role you're stepping into. For me, then it was really a matter of digging in deeper, obviously through my due diligence of, of uh, evaluating different opportunities and choosing to go to Tynes, you know, you're talking with customers and investors and things like that. But the next thing I want to do is kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive on what are customers really doing with our solution? What are the problems they're solving? How painful are they? Why are they trying to solve them now? Why haven't they solved them previously? Or if they've tried previously, what's, what's wrong with that approach? So I really wanted to get into the, you know, into the shoes of our customers and understand really what's driving them to, to, to tackle this problem and choosing to tackle with us and then get feedback from them along the way that you know, I could take back to our product org or our, our go-to-market uh, team, et cetera. So that was priority number two. Number three, I was, I was also through really both of those first two items, I was trying to listen for and identify what are maybe some, some early unlocks, some, some kind of blockers that maybe we could tackle, I could tackle that would allow us to maybe have some some quick wins, if you will, some things that maybe were just holding us back unnecessarily that would really help propel us with some, some, um, some good growth. So I was looking for obviously a strategic view, but also looking for some near-term opportunities in the process. Those are the three things I was focused on. Yeah. And when you walk into these things, especially when you walk into like a startup or almost any startup, what did you know you wouldn't find? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I knew I probably wouldn't find like um, perfection anywhere, you know, early on something's broken, you know, whether that's something in the product that's not yet up to snuff or, or what have you. I think what I was really prepared for to not find is 
was really like a repeatable sales process. You know, when it's a young organization, uh, again, we're, we're early, early growth. It's really, you're trying to win business all over the place. You're trying to win all deals. Uh, you want to really get your, your flag planted, get, you know, logos captured, et cetera. And as a result of that, it is a little bit of the wild west. And so I think what I found and was expecting is, you know, not like a crystallized machine factory of a repeatable sales process. And then that turned out to be true. And again, that's not bad. That's just the reality of kind of an early company. No, it's really typical. Like you said, a lot of times you're first doing product market fit. And almost anything can happen at that stage. And then you're just trying to do deals and you're trying to take anything you can off the street. And some people at that stage are like really artists. Some have their own sales process, but overall there's usually not a built-in, well-defined sales process with some discipline around it. So that's pretty typical that you won't find that, you know, when you first walk into a startup. Yeah. So you did say that it's important to have a well-defined sales process. Tell me why you believe that's true. Well, I think that, um, again, as you mentioned in, in the beginning with some of the different experiences that I've had with, you know, obviously working at places with your leadership and in different stages of, of growth and different sizes of organizations that fundamentals, you got to get everybody that's kind of speaking the same language. You, you got to get everybody. And that doesn't just mean on the sales and the account teams. Ultimately, that means, frankly, the go-to-market org for sure and beyond that product org, et cetera. So one I think important part of a well-defined process is everybody understands what it means when a deal is at a certain stage, what it means when we use certain terminology as we're talking about deals and where they, where they live, et cetera. Um, I think as you get in the mode of trying to grow and scale, it becomes more important even because you've got to have that framework that everyone is anchored around. You've got to be able to, to know that, best practices are being largely adopted and followed, you know, no matter where you are, you know, in the market or in the world, et cetera. And so it's really, I think the, the, the lever that starts to propel the growth and the repeatability and kind of the, uh, you know, the best practices around, around the sales org. Yeah. I think it's also important for training. You know, if you have a well-defined sales process, you kind of know where, or what step or what stage of the sales process that some of your people are having a really difficult time. And then you know, okay, if they're having a t tough time finding a champion or getting an economic buyer meeting or something like that, you know exactly what to train them on. If you don't have a well-defined sales process, you can't really see any patterns. 100%. I, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the good thing about having that process, and if you've again got good clear criteria for each stage that you can measure and really pay attention to. You can kind of marry what you're seeing at, at a little bit more of a macro lens, along with what you're hearing from, from the street, what you're experiencing when you're on calls with the team or what you're hearing from your frontline managers or the SE org, et cetera. So it's a great way to kind of bring those two together and look for those enablement opportunities that, that probably aren't isolated. You find it somewhere, it's probably happening somewhere else. And it's an opportunity to kind of bring that enablement up up to the org level as a whole. Right. You start to figure out what's working and what's not working. The other thing, um, especially in, in your job is if you, if you don't have a well-defined sales process, it makes it really difficult when you're talking to people to figure out what's my forecast. What am I going to forecast to the CEO? Yeah. Um, 
hundred percent on that too. I mean, I think you've got to have things that you know that as you look across your deal portfolio, your pipeline, your current quarter forecast, next for, next quarter forecast, that you have confidence that if you see certain deals that are at a certain point in that process, if we're you know true to those to those criteria and and the stages along the way, gives you a much higher degree of confidence and certainty in being able to predict and forecast that business. No question yeah. about it. No, and the other one you mentioned was scaling. If you want to scale, like when. There's going to be a stage where Tynes is going to say, okay, we're going to take a whole bunch of money. And we're really going to step on the gas and we're going to hire an enormous amount of salespeople. And when that happens, you need to have a well-defined sales process because you're going to start promoting sales reps to managers and managers to second line managers. And they all have to basically run the same playbook. If you don't, it's like helter skelter. It becomes really difficult to forecast, really difficult to understand what's going right, what's going wrong. How do I train people, enable people? You just can't put your hands or your fingers on what's going, what's going on when something does go wrong. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you don't have that, like you said, you don't have that insight, you don't have that that ability to kind of look across the org and see what's working and what's not. And you probably end up just chasing, you know, problem after problem. It, it you know, it's kind of that whack-a-mole game. You might see something somewhere, you solve it. And then unbeknownst to you around the corner, there's another issue because it's being done differently or someone's not following what you really want them to follow. So it makes it a heck of a lot harder as a sales leader at whatever level to really kind of drive that consistency if you don't have that well-defined process. In the full episode, Terry digs further into qualification and the critical stages of the sales process. Check out the full episode in the show notes.